this little voice inside of my head said, go back and get the phone number. Go back. Just go back. And so because I was listening then, I went back, I got the phone number and I had it. And I thought, I'm going to ring this woman. That is still a very real thing at 19 that, um, yeah, there's still that development of the self, the ego, which is such a motivator to go and think you can do everything. Because after I moved to Byron Bay, I did come crashing down after six months. So I spiraled again into, um, I would say, a depression and my anxiety and panic attacks came back. And I didn't even think, and because I'd had that intense healing phase at 18, I was just at home navel, navel gazing, thinking, oh, what's wrong with me? And that was the worst thing I could do at that point is go in and, and then self-reflect. So sometimes self-reflection is wonderful for healing and other times you need to get out of your head and get out of the house and have some good distraction therapy and stop thinking about yourself. So so once I did that, I I kind of healed from that little um, patch and I would call it a massive insecurity and just a coming like feeling like I'm coming out of a washing machine like a, a shock from after the big life change welcome to the true to you podcast your go-to show for practical wisdom to build a meaningful creative small business you'll find content on marketing mindset and tons of experts who want to help you grow a thriving small business that you love My guests are exceptionally creative women building businesses from their zone of genius, all while balancing many other roles in their life. I'm your host, Ruby Marsh. Let's do this. Welcome, Kate, to the True to You podcast. Thanks for joining me this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to chat with you. Yes. And I think I was thinking before that you're probably the first incidents where I've had two family members on the podcast <laughs> because we had your beautiful sister Mel on last year. Oh, she's yeah. lovely, isn't she? <laughs> she she is she's a good sort, as we would say yeah. here in yeah. Australia. <laughs> she's beautiful (laughs) yeah and uh, full of life and full of energy so oh she is she was just up here um, in Byron Bay for a week and I can't keep up with her (laughs) no no I I I feel severely introverted when I'm around Mel (laughs) yeah the same yeah yeah she's 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 definitely good if you need a boost of energy though and she's always um she's always got something going on so love to you Mel if you're listening to this (laughs) (laughs) um so your story is a little bit unique in that I don't think we've had someone on the show before that has pursued their career path from such a young age in that you you got into business and when most people are still in uni and partying and living the good life you went no I'm gonna I'm gonna open a business at 19 years old you moved to Byron Bay from Newcastle yeah 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 look I was um I trained since the age of four all the way through to 16 
very seriously in classical ballet and um, in Newcastle and that was my goal for, you know, probably from I'd say 12, like a, a goal in my head um, of I want to be a classical ballerina and that that path itself requires a lot of discipline, a lot of sacrifice. Um, I trained at a highly uh, recognised ballet school and um, I think that really set me up for being very comfortable to sacrifice um, going out to parties. You know, I had to, I, miss, I remember missing lots of ki- uh, friends' birthday parties because Saturday training from 10 years on was from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. and then another two afternoons a week during the week and then a morning. There was just my whole world was classical ballet and then all other genres as well, you know, jazz, contemporary. That was all in there too. So I think the setup of, of my life from such a young age was quite serious. Um, and so then, yeah, at 19, when uh, the opportunity came, so I mean, if you want the backstory, I was actually um, at 16, I kind of, it was actually the day Lady Diana passed away. I was doing a competition um, in Sydney, a big ballet, classical ballet competition. And the fir- you know, first prize is a $10,000 scholarship and all the best ballerinas across Australia would, would go to this competition. And that was the last day I, I danced. I literally went home that night and I said, Mum, Dad, I quit. And what I was going through, and this is a big part of probably my motivation to starting a dance school, so it's, it's worth telling, um, a lot of the, the culture of the original dance school I was at was incredibly fear-based. It was not a very nurturing environment. It was lots of put-downs, lots of... Um, co- comparison criticism so the way the teacher would motivate a student was to uh, compare to another one you know through fear to make you work harder and that was that was 10 years of that and so that was ingrained in me and by the time I was 16 I was just a very anxious I was full of self-doubt I was a tall ballerina so I knew that after my second year full-time to actually make a career as a ballerina I was looking at Germany and um, because I was too tall for Australia and so at that point those very real pressures just were so overwhelming to me of look I couldn't even go on family holidays as a kid because I had to go to ballet so when there was um, mum and dad and my siblings went to um, holidays there's one I remember going on and I was sick on it I would have to skip the holidays to go to ballet. So going overseas for for a a career was just, I was not worldly. I was so scared. Um, And I had a a lovely mum but who put a lot of pressure on me at the time. There was a lot of investment financially, a lot of emotional investment to really do well because the stakes were high. And so that day I just got off the stage. I felt like such a failure was so hard on myself. My mindset was not one of a, would you say, quite a quite champion. It was one of a, I, I, I don't feel good enough. I feel like I'll never. And I was such a beautiful little dancer. Like I can see that now as an adult looking back. I was gorgeous. You know, I definitely could have had a ballet career undoubtedly, but my mindset was just, um, I was depressed and anxious. And I started getting panic attacks 
So that was my my way of sort of feeling a sense of control when I felt so powerless was just quitting. So that day I quit. And um, then I just went on a trajectory of what am I going to do? I went to TAFE and finished my HSC. Um, went really badly uh, because I didn't study, wasn't interested, was just completely lost, um, a little bit of partying, escapism. And then I went through this patch of really finding myself at such a young age, at 18, because the panic attacks really, I had to do something. I had to feel um, connected to me. I needed purpose again. And so I studied meditation. I went and got uh, my Reiki certificate. I um, Deepak Chopra was my best friend at 18 years old. I was reading Louise Hay. I had the body of the yeah, what is it? Uh, um, body your body is the parameter of the soul book, and everything was just so mind body. Yes, I, I became a certified massage therapist. I got my reflexology. I was. Uh, doing sweat lodges, rebirthing, everything at 18. And I started a necklace business as well. So I was just diving so deep into, um, I knew I didn't want a normal job. I knew that I wanted to work for myself. And I had, you know, that thing of suppression for so long of being in such a fearful environment for such a long time, the pressure of my mum, um, and, you know, and she was coming from a good place. She was coming from, from love. She wanted the best for me, but it just came out in such a do or, you know, black or white way. And so I just went boom into this other esoteric world and um, healing and meditation and saying yes. And so from there I then went and approached my original ballet teacher. Sorry, my not my original ballet teacher, my amazing mentor who I trained full-time with, I left the fear-based school and did two years full-time with um, Marie Wattman. She's wonderful. So I went to her and I said, Marie, um, I think that your full-time students can really benefit because that's where I went full-time with learning meditation. So at 18, I was teaching meditation to the full-timers and I was only there just a couple of years before that because I really felt like that could help them with their performance anxieties and just finding their way through such a stressful, unique, highly disciplined, highly competitive environment. And I just wished I had had that. So I was teaching them meditation. And I went to Marie's house for a barbecue. Her daughter Veronica is also my really dear friend and still is to this day. And I was just at that stage in my life, I just turned 19 and I was really open to just listening to my intuition and being spontaneous. And Marie said to me randomly, Kate, I've got a um, someone from Byron Bay's rang me and, and Sue, her name is, and she wants someone to move up there and take on some ballerinas. I think she's selling a school. And I went, she said, are you interested in her number? And I said, at first, my instant, no. And I thought to myself, I'm going to be a healer. I'm continuing on with this journey of helping people find their inner trajectory. And I like, I loved that world and I love that and that's who I am. So I said, no. And then I walked to the car saying goodbye. And then this little voice inside of my head said, go back and get the phone number. 
go back, just go back. And so because I was listening then, I went back, I got the phone number and I had it. And I thought, I'm going to ring this woman. So I rang and her name was Suey, not Sue, rang her and she was so desperate for someone just to move up. She had a, a big dance school. It was called Byron Academy of Dance. She wanted to, um, she was pregnant. She just didn't want to own it anymore. The concert before, the, in the December before, she had told, announced to the whole school in front of the stage that she's closing her school, but she's only continuing with just ballet. And this was May, the following year, so May 2000, and said, I'm, she said to me, I only have 18 students. It's, it's not worth selling. The, the gross income of that was $350 a week. So I just had the choice. Can you, she said, can you move up? And I said, yes, I can. But in six weeks' time, I have to finish my massage course. I paid for it myself. I brought myself a massage table and I was finishing that course. And then she, then I told her my age and she backpedaled. She's like, oh, I, no, 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 I don't think you're right. I said, I'm 19. No, 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 you're too young. And I said to her, I promise you, if I do this, I'm going to give it my all. And, I, and I've had really good training. And I just advocated for myself and backed myself on the phone to her then and there. And I had to convince her. So she'd gone from being desperate for her to move up to going, no. And so I went, let's, I said, I am the person, but let's give it a try. How about I come up and I meet you? And we can just go from there. And she said, okay. So two weeks later, I was up there. I met her and I taught her students in front of her. And mind you, she's not selling me this. She's just caring so much about her beautiful students. And I taught the class. She liked me. I liked her. And um, then I arranged for four weeks' time to change my whole life, move up to Byron Bay, my parents were really wonderful. They paid my first six weeks rent and my bond and gave me any furniture they had. I was living in a unit in Suffolk Park, paying $180 a week rent, but grossing $350 a week through my new given business. And after that point, mum and dad said, you're on your own. You need to make this work. That means we're not, okay, we're not giving you any more. We're not giving you money. You got this. And mum and dad have always been, Instead, we will give you advice, we will be here for you, but you have to work out and get your finances. Having said that, if, excuse my language, can I say the S word? If shit did hit the fan, of course they would have gone, look, but they really were quite, we've got four kids, you know, we've got our own, you're an adult now. So I moved up and um, that was in the 24th of June 2000, I changed the name from Byron Academy of Dance to Dance Dynamics Byron Bay. And that was it. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Like I, I, I felt like every single turning point in that story, you, even though you may have encountered self-doubt along the way, I can really tell that from a young age, you cultivated that intuition, which I think some of us struggle to, I mean, I'm nearly 39. I I think I still struggle to cultivate intuition, but there must've been something that 
I guess some of us are just old souls as well. And some of us are young souls and some of us know how to tap into those those gifts. And the fact that you had been engrossed in your industry from such a young age, it's not like you were going into business at 19, having no idea about the industry. You went into business with, theoretically, you didn't have yeah exact business experience and and the day-to-day running but you you knew how they all worked and you also it sounds like we're very clear on how you would want to run your studio given the chance yeah I think um look and also at the age of 19 you're still in from apparently from 14 to 19 is what they call um and I hope I am correct a psychologist told me this years ago and it's ingrained in my head is this the narcissistic development so it's still that age where you've got um ignorance is bliss I know everything and and you know I've got even some employee so I've had my school now 21 years and I've I do get employees at that age and they come to me and they're like I've just come out of full time and and I can do da 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 and I look and I think you do realize I've also might know what I'm doing it's and not that I would say that but um and oh that you know we would love your your absolutely updated information bring it on but there's still a, a a level of a hierarchy that you also need to so I also remember me at that age there is that is still a very real thing at 19 that um yeah there's still that development of the self the ego which is such a motivator to go and think you can do everything because after I moved to Byron Bay I did come crashing down after six months so I spiraled again into, um, I would say, a depression and my anxiety and panic attacks came back. And a lot of that was not necessarily just learning how to manage a business, but I didn't realise, um, which is also another thing that can happen when kids, you know, leave the nest. Um, I had no social life up in Byron Bay. My only social connection was with kids and then their parents are so much older and everyone at the time, people my age were off travelling, going overseas and, and Byron Bay is, was so transient. So any connections I made were very short-lived and I was living by myself and so I got quite um, lonely and that turned into a, a depression. My sister Melissa, speaking of her, was living in Broome at the time and I once rang her and I was talking about how I was feeling and she said Kate man is not an island you need to get out there and make friends and you know what it's almost like duh I didn't yeah of course I need to I didn't even think and because I'd had that intense healing phase at 18 I was just at home naval naval gazing thinking oh what's wrong with me and that was the worst thing I could do at that point is go in and and then self-reflect so Sometimes self-reflection is wonderful for healing and other times you need to get out of your head and get out of the house and have some good distraction therapy and stop thinking about yourself. So, so once I did that, I, I kind of healed from that little um, patch and I would call it a massive insecurity and just a, come, like feeling like I'm coming out of a washing machine, like a, a shock from after the big life change. And, you know, the navigating through... Um, having a business I I lied to my my students and parents I just told them I was 27 so after Zoe had not not you know had not 
had felt like at 19 I was not qualified. I thought I don't want to have that experience with clients and students. From that day on, I was 27. And then when I turned 27, it was I was still 27. <laughs> <laughs> no, does anybody know the 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 secret? There's one student, her name's Olivia. I so she's so I was 19 and she was 17, and I had to put her through her elementary Royal Academy of Dance elementary exam and um, she'd failed the year before and that's it's just it's such a hard exam and um, she she just missed out by passing by a couple of marks so I inherited the need for her to part do it again and pass because that was her prerequisite to be a teacher and she's so passionate and so good at teaching and she's a lovely dancer as well um and so for some years, for some reasons, as, as good dancer you are, you may not get the marks you want depending on the day. So, so, so I had this big challenge of putting her through that exam and I met with her, the last time I had coffee with her was six years ago and I told her my real age and she, <laughs> that I'm only two years older than her and she was just like, what? Because she said to me, oh, my gosh, you, you look so young. How, you know, you're getting lots of Botox or something and it's like, well, I, I should actually tell you my age now. This is my real age. And she was um, she couldn't believe it because it was that perception warp thing. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's so funny. I, I love that. I'm curious to know with all of the years of discipline that you had and despite a few times where you had these moments, these down moments in, in your life. And I think we all have those. You're, you're speaking just then of moving away at 19. And that was when I moved to Australia as well myself. And I knew no, I knew nobody. And I came here to, to Newcastle to study. And it's crazy. You look back and you go, wow, I really threw myself in there. My parents love coming back to that time and and seeing seeing them drive away and me crying and it's such a a pivotal moment and I think I feel like a a lot of teenagers and perhaps even with what's been we've been going through over the last couple of years I feel like a lot of teenagers are probably going to miss those experiences now just because uh, we 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 want to keep people safe and and really Oh gosh, if I had never done that, and I don't know if you would agree on this too with you, but if I had never done that, I don't think I would have had the capacity to make some of the big life choices I've made since then. Yeah, look, I um, I was only talking to my husband yesterday about the gratitude I actually have for my upbringing. Um, I spent my 20s resenting my mom and a bit of my dad and a lot of that ballet school I was originally at um, feeling like that was the fault of why I felt inadequate in myself and and I think that that's just part of the healing journey you know Um, but my goodness had I not experienced that I think that just set me up for such resilience and life but still a soft heart you know not a hardened heart and I I do agree with you. And look, at the same time in this town where I'm living in Byron Bay, it's changed so much over the last 21 years. There's now um, a lot of wealth in the town. It was a real genuine country town where where I used to get, 
I used to get dance parents just come randomly come to my house on a Sunday, knock on the door, not necessarily liked it because there was no uh, phone call first, but they would just knock on the door and here's a pie. It was real country town. And now, um, and, the, and the kids, you know, were so well-mannered. And look, they're, they're still well-mannered, but there's just a lot of entitlement and a lot of the rite of passages that the kids miss out on in growing up. And so everything's easy. It's all about what my child wants. My child doesn't want to do that. And I feel like that is so unfortunate that, you know, I've got kids that my child, they've been dancing all year. Um, for instance, it's our concert. Um, oh, no, my child doesn't want to do the concert. Not everyone's like that, but it's getting almost more and more. And it's like, well, hang on. What about team spirit? What about commitment? What about um, following through? We don't. I don't always want to go to work every day. Imagine if I said, oh, well, actually, I don't want to teach your child today. <laughs> it's just yeah. like what world are we? I get really concerned about the world of um, entitlement and, <laughs> and um yeah, that's that's frightening. I don't I don't have the answers, but uh, it's a little bit scary. Yeah, and I'm sure it's making you consider how you raise. You've got one, two, two babies, two kids. I've got a, I've actually got a 16 year old. She's 16 yep. in a month, and I have a 20 month year old. Yeah. So, yeah, it's another <laughs> it piece is. of the story. <laughs> it is, and my son, obviously now being a bit older. Um, we don't have the problems that, you know, like there's, there's not, there's not a financial void. Um, we're, we're going good on that level. Um, and I just said to my husband, we need to make sure he doesn't grow up a spoiled brat. Like we've got, you know, not what he wants when he wants. Um, and, and my husband's German, he's got really good values in terms of discipline, work ethic. And I just said, we need to make sure that being older parents, our need for lifestyle doesn't create a spoiled child and that we really um, bring up Arlo with um, some really good values and work ethic that, that are so important to us. So, yeah, because it can be a bit, you know, we, we're able to travel now, whereas back when I had Sinead, my ex-husband and I, it's like, no, money was really tight. It was hand-to-mouth and we were struggling like many people do, um, younger parents. And so so the kids also don't get what they want when they want. So, yeah, it's definitely um, those conversations have taken place. Yeah, yeah, and it must be interesting for the two kids. I mean, your youngest can't, uh, he probably doesn't have the language yet, but certainly your your uh, older, your daughter, seeing him growing up in the world and what he has access to and it must be really interesting for her. And then, and, and maybe for you also, you're, you can relate to her perhaps a little bit more because you really did you really were thrown in it at a young age yeah. and you can you can impart that on her yeah no she's a good girl she's um she's very supportive and very helpful like around the house and with Arlo and and definitely also needs um you know she loves her bedroom now being 16 shutting the door watching her own little movies having herself time is really important for her as well she does a lot and um, having that downtime where she feels like she can connect with herself is is so important for her so yeah very cool very cool let's fast forward a little bit in time to the present day and in the craziest couple of years that I've certainly known in, in my life and I think all of us can agree that 
whatever end of the spectrum we sit on in terms of what's happened in the last 18 months, we can all agree that it's been emotionally challenging. It's been physically challenging. And for someone that has a business in the has a has a service-based business but has a physical premises and especially in the health and wellness industry it's been so interesting and I hope you don't mind me saying this but the I guess the minimal emphasis on supporting people to stay healthy and well (laughs) during these times and therefore I'm only saying this because we we work with a lot of gym owners and a lot of personal trainers and um, you know it's been really it's been really hard for them but also the fact that the the priority of the government has been less on that and more on other things and and we all know that the dance school that you have provides community it provides connection for the beautiful students you have um it's your livelihood as well i'm curious to know how you've navigated i'm sure you must look back <laughs> and go wow if this had happened when i was 19 then whole different ball game but now you're in a totally different position financially so it's a little bit different in that sense but how has the last 18 months for you been and for your students and how have you navigated that personally there's this is this might be a long answer because because there's a personal and a business and a community answer I can give you so personally when COVID hit my son was only six weeks old and that was, um, yeah, that, that was my, I was going to have a year off maternity leave. So I had set my business up so that I had a manager in there. I didn't have to teach anymore. I could still get a director's wage um, and I could be self, you know, self-fund my maternity leave. And so that didn't happen, obviously, which, which is funny because my, my little story in my head of entitlement was, when I had my daughter, I was actually the breadwinner because my ex-husband was at university and she was a planned pregnancy. Um, I just brought my first house in Ocean Shores. He was a dependent because he was at university and I was 24 years old when Sinead popped out and the agreement was when she's seven, like I planned the whole pregnancy so that I could go back to work at seven weeks. So I was back teaching when she was seven weeks old and my mother-in-law at the time was looking after her when my ex was at uni like it was hard so this pregnancy I was like I'm having a year off and um I I can afford to do that because I've worked you know 20 years at the time it's like yep 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 then COVID hit and it's like this little cosmic joke of <laughs> um so that's kind of funny at the time my German family my husband's family were actually in Australia staying at a house they arrived when Arlo was three weeks old and they got stuck here. So personally, it was stressful. And I also got diagnosed with postnatal depression when Arlo was six weeks old. And so it was mild. It wasn't anything I needed to go on medication for. It was more just you need sleep and to get your nutrient level up. And I knew I had it. So on the personal level at home, it was it was stressful. Um, and Arlo was yeah, I was an older mummer and probably fixed in my ways a little bit more. Then, so the night before we had to go into lockdown, we were driving our German family to Brisbane to get them on the plane and, and um, I saw on the news that all of a sudden we couldn't go to work the next day. My manager 
doesn't have a TV and purposely doesn't want to watch the news. He has social media. So I had to ring him and he wouldn't answer his phone. He's like, hold on, hold on, I'm, I'm busy. And it was a Sunday. It's like I, I would never ring on a Sunday unless it's, it's, it's urgent. Anyway, so, so I finally got in touch with him and I said, Stevie, um, we have to flip to Zoom tonight. All the classes have to go online tomorrow. And I had set up Zoom. I had set, I had prepared everyone for this to happen the week before. Luckily, my best friend in Newcastle, who also owns a dance school, Tina Moore, she's absolutely beautiful, um, was knowing I'd had just had a baby and what I was going through, was sort of going, okay, Kate, um, you need to just be prepared for Zoom. This is probably going to happen. And we had the three accounts there ready because we've got three studios. And so we flipped over overnight. So I was working in the background, um, telling everyone obviously what to do, when they had to do it. We were, I was in Brisbane, my newborn, trying to get the Germans on the plane and their flight was cancelled. Three other flights after that were cancelled. It was kind of hell. And all you can do in those moments is just sort of find your, your just those moments where you go, it's going to be okay. Um, the stillness. So we got through that. Um, and I think in hindsight, personally, the distractions of being able to work probably did help me with Arlo. It gave me a sense of I felt so um, out of my depth with him this time around. I didn't so much with Sinead um, initially because I did have the postnatal depression. So going to work in a way gave me that sense of control. I, I automatically got some self-esteem. I was in my arena I was, you know, I was applying for grants at home, you know, while he's asleep and I wasn't physically at work but I was doing stuff there. So on a business level, um, look, it was, there was that thing. So I I purchased the the premise, the, the premises uh, 2015 um, and so we have a mortgage on that. So my goal on that level was to obviously try and because it's a commercial loan, high interest rate, was to there's no landlord where I can get um, discounts, but obviously the mortgage you could pause your mortgage repayments. And I thought I'm not doing that straight away. I'll do that if I really need to. But my goal is to be able to make every financial uh, mortgage repayment. So instantly, um, obviously no one could be at the dance studio. We flipped to Zoom. We lost a lot of clients, like 60%. And my next goal was to be able to maintain all of our staff and some of them are contractors and they're contractors because they also have other jobs and it's like a hobby job for them, but their wages are quite high. Um, and then employees as well. And so the goal was to maintain everyone um, because for me, I emotionally felt so responsible for them. And when you're a business owner and a, and a leader, if you do it for so long, you're, you're doing it much more, <laughs> especially running a dance school, like you do it for the love of it and the love of people. And so um, the sense of community was massive, even though for me being at home most of the time, I felt emotionally disconnected from them physically that was going on for me before COVID because I you know, had my baby. Um, but the responsibility felt massive. And then also on that is well, when we come back, we still want to, we don't want the structure of the business to completely collapse um, because if I, if I also lose the staff and then bam, we're back, I can't teach because I had also a prolapse. So I wasn't allowed to go 
back and physically dance because I really had to work hard on my pelvic floor. Um, so there was also that part for me. Um, I mean, I could teach sort of standing up and not necessarily demonstrating and modify, but mentally and physically wasn't there yet. So there was all of those motivators. So basically, um, yes, we 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 got JobKeeper, which was wonderful. That helped us maintain the employees. We got no help for the contractors whatsoever. Um, and there were at the time about three of them. Um, so we were able to, the, the students that stayed on Zoom during the Zoom classes, they, they obviously covered that. The JobKeeper covered the wages. And we did get obviously a couple of those grants that helped and we didn't miss a mortgage payment. Um, what I did as well, not being able to teach, feeling a little bit helpless, I, I got back into running some of my personal development courses, which I really love doing. So um, that was my Step It Up program, um, self-esteem building, confidence for teenagers, which I have been running on and off since 2006, actually. Um, yeah, that was it. And then, and then again this year we got hit again with <laughs> another lockdown. Um, and so we're, we're now slowly trying to build back up again and we've sort of, yeah, we're, 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 we're good. We're going okay. So we, we have survived it. We're able to still run. Um, I had to look at obviously when stuff like this happens, um, when you've got your business brain, you go into worst-case scenario and then if you can plan for that, my worst case scenario, because I've purchased the building, I've got a mortgage on it. If the if the dance school is not viable anymore, if it collapses, can I rent the whole building out? And actually now, um, you know, can I get some money from that? And it, it turned out I could. And I was at the position where, which was sort of a good position where I can actually, I wasn't going to talk about it, but it's, it's 21 years. I, I can actually... Um, draw this you know a good wage by not owning the school and a good wage by owning the school so then which has been a really good position to be in at first it was like oh my goodness this is a good problem for me personally now I I could not do this and do what I want wow that's 40 that's a great achievement but now I've come back to going no no I really want to do this and so that's really nice as well like it's it's almost like an affirmation of going, well, I love doing this and um, and not feeling embarrassed about that. That was really big. Like a part of me felt almost like, oh, I don't want, like, oh, like, like guilty for doing well, guilty for, um, for being in that position in my own head. Like, oh, um, yeah, it was, it was quite a bizarre place when I realised that. It was like excited and proud but then felt really guilty and all this shame of, doing well and especially you know coming from my background in, in Newcastle you know work real working class working town, class like, yeah you know and it's like we used to pay out people that are oh, you know wankers and you know like that was real like and now and so there's a lot of there was a lot of association with with doing well with being pretentious and it's like actually I'm not that I work really hard so I really had to go back in and not feel ashamed and really have a look at those associations I had with doing so well and it wasn't something I was given it was something I worked damn hard for really hard and with everything that um you know with, with those when you're in those crossroads in life where and the reason I own the building 
was because I went through this horrible patch of being kicked, uh, not kicked out, that sounds dramatic. One of the uh, halls we were hiring, the council were closing and they gave me a year's notice. And so I was at the time a single mum and just had to, what can I do? I can't be in this position again. This is sink or swim, a sink or swim. And I stepped up to the challenge, got a mortgage, got a building. And, um, yeah, so I think that when you're running a business, those, those things happen to us and and we either can step up or we can kind of um, go into fetal position. And I feel like the background in ballet has probably set me on that path to step up and it feels awful. It feels scary. It's highly uncomfortable, but you've just, you just do it. And then it's always rewarding when you push through. Yeah. I think something that you said though, that is really key is that you got into action and I don't know, there was probably a few moments where you had to take a few deep breaths. We, we couldn't really prepare for the reality right but we can get into action and we can create plans and so I think that was key was that you you really didn't sit on what you needed to do you you stood up stepped up like you said and you you just took ownership of this is the circumstances I can't change them this is what's happened and that's really key, like that agility in business. And there's probably other times in your business journey that you can think where you've had to make some pretty ballsy calls, <laughs> like like getting the mortgage on the building and, and taking risks. But you definitely, as we said right in the beginning from you moving at 19, you, you develop a little bit of a better tolerance for risk over time by making some of these big decisions and the fact that you I think we we kind of get into business a lot of the time sometimes it's by accident sometimes it's because we're trying to turn a full-time job that we have in corporate into a business and because we start out and we're so we're stumbling through those early days, it's very hard to see what the end result could be or whether we could even get there, right? And uh, you certainly started with a, a fairly bare bones of a studio. Like it wasn't like you're walking into a full capacity business and you were really, it was like a turnkey thing. Yeah, oh, look, I was hiring halls and the halls I was hiring were, um, were I love, like I hired the Presbyterian Church Hall here in Byron Bay for 16 years. That was my main venue. And there were such lovely people um, because when I moved up, Sui had her own building and she sold it unbeknownst to me um, at the time. It would have been nice <laughs> to have maybe had an opportunity to buy it, but not that I was probably in a position, mum and dad, no. um, that wouldn't have happened anyway. But she actually had a purpose-built studio with a house on it. And look, at the time it sold for like 400 and something thousand. Now it's worth three, four million, five million. Mm-hmm. Like it's just insane. But so I, so the rent was too high for me with that building. So I had to change to the Presbyterian Church Hall, which was half the price at the time. But I also had to move on as a 19-year-old girl, lots of homeless people that would sleep at the door and I couldn't get in. And so I had to talk to the minister about and he wanted to help the homeless people. And I said, that's, that's, I get that, but 
I've also got little kids and I need to feel safe if you're going to hire this space to me. And so that was lots of back and forth for 16 years and that was very hard to navigate. So the thing with um, the homelessness that that I had a concern with was the mental health of the people and children being safe and coming up because I would walk from school, walk into the building and um, I had to, I got there early, I swept the floor, I mopped it every single day for 16 years. I politely moved on the homeless people would wake them up if they, they might have been drunk in a slumber and ask them. And that most of them were very lovely. And I would say, look, we're here until seven o'clock tonight. Can you please come back afterwards and, you know, sleep here, leave your stuff here. But I just really need, um, and you don't want to offend them. I don't know what, because the minister would have gone home by then. And so that was really tricky. And I did that. That was my life. And that was a big motivator for me. My, my big dream that I was always very, very, uh, my end result was to have my own building that I could own and I could be the landlord because having, being under in those circumstances was just um, yeah. <laughs> emotionally so conflicting and then physically just really challenging and at the same time again my husband for the first um five years of our time together um wasn't really earning an income the maximum he would get was a hundred dollars a week so it was all on me and we had a baby so there was just um yeah so that was I think I've just detracted sorry I've I've gone on another track (laughs) so no 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 that's that's all good all good um I'm, I'm, so sorry. I'm curious to know in, in that experience, you've you've had to deal with some pretty heavy situations. Even hearing you talk about moving those homeless people on, uh, most people would find that very confronting to deal with that, to have those conversations, to be a leader, to be kind to them, but also realize that you're running a professional business. And I'm curious to know what sorts of, for people listening that might find themselves going through business, having to navigate some of these big decisions. One thing you've mentioned is that you always created very clear plans. You had goals, you broke them down and you worked through them. But when it comes to dealing with some of these situations that can really knock your confidence and gosh I can't even imagine being a dancer how many times you go through situations where your confidence is on the line what tools did you draw on to to deal with that have you had support of mentors have you had the support of coaches what's that looks like or have you just really being very scrappy because that's the other thing is we can find the answers if we need them and the support look I think I I really I really would recommend um people that are new to business to get a coach I didn't do that I had my father and I would do lots of courses but I'm I look my and I had my father in terms of um you know, his role, he worked at the tax office and became assistant commissioner at one point. And he is very good in leadership in terms of um, negotiation, mediating people, uh, conflict resolution. And that's a big part of my business. And also he probably gave me the confidence to quote unquote attack when you need to attack. And so I, 
I naturally, I'm, look, I'm naturally, I'm a people pleaser. When I was competing as a ballerina, um, I may, look, there's a level of me that's ballsy and there's also a part of me that really just wants to get along with people. I love people. I hate to be hated and I want to be loved like, like a puppy dog. And so that's been such a strength for me in terms of creating a beautiful community, but it's also been my Achilles heel. And when I'm in those positions, I know who I need to ring. So my dad's great. Um, as he's getting older, I mean, he's still great. And my mum's my mom's probably been more of a um, mentor in terms of parenting, you know, with, with my children. I've probably, my natural go-to has probably been my dad. And then my sisters, um, Melissa, at first, she started her business 10 years ago and then her photography business. And, and she's probably now with her charity really, um, yeah, really someone I would go to because um, I started my business quite young and she she wasn't in business at the time. And then I've got my other sisters. So they're probably my go-tos. And I tell you what, even now after all these years, I would totally still get a coach. Like I, I've... I don't know why I didn't. Um, I just I just knew what my goal was and I knew I would get there one day and that was to have my own building and my own centre and, and that was my big goal. And so now obviously there's a level of personally creating new goals. And um, so, look, when it comes to those times, sometimes I have been a bit scrappy for sure. Um, there's this one incident which which happened, which was a really good good learning curve for me. When I was 19 and had just started the school, we had our concert rehearsals. And um, now this was a lesson for me about being tough and having boundaries and it was a really, really hard one. So these, there was, <laughs> we were hiring the high school um, at the time for our concerts and we're having the rehearsal and I let, uh, actually this was a rehearsal for competitions at Steadford's, and I just had the doors open, so letting the parents come and go, you know, and I was just standing at the front teaching the kids. And this one mother came up to me, tapped my shoulder and literally said, we need to talk. And I said, oh, okay. And I'm just this like little 19-year-old and she's like, yep. And, I, and I'm almost saying to her, oh, oh, when? You know, like bowing down to her when? Yep, outside now and I said let me finish this dance so it was just this power struggle and the the when this happens because it will happen to all of us it is so good and it's scary and you feel like the tiniest person in the world but this you need this stuff to grow you so there was another teacher there I said you know look can you just take over I need to go outside so I went outside and followed this lady outside and then when I got out there there were two other mothers <laughs> and you know it felt like a, a, a school bully thing, you know, where the, the boys had used their fists but girls had used their mouths. And her bone to pick with me was the fact that I was letting the girls do a competition with costumes they were using from the concert before and that the costumes were tight on their kids. So I had said, but I'm saving you money. It's the last time they're going to wear them. I'm not, I'm, I'm doing you a favour. And the way, but the way they all had a go, and they were really critical, and I was in tears in front of them. Like they had me in tears, because the under the, what happened underneath that was she was really the main ringleader was really cranky, 
that the week before, which it came up at the end, I had gone to watch her daughter do in a Steadford and watched the first routine, but I didn't stay for the second routine. I went to the movies with my new boyfriend at the time and I wished her well. I coached her. And so that came out at the end because it wasn't about the costume. So she had pulled in these other two women about the costume and that's what they thought it was. And it turned like she got nasty and I was just so blindsided by this sort of attack. Um, Me, if that happened now at 40, like that wouldn't happen. So ever since then um, I make it hard for people to get to me um, because a lot of parents will have a lot of, you know, um, you, you can't, there's too many chiefs. Mm. You just need to be the chief. So I ended up after that, I went to counselling, had a counselling session over it. And I then, it was sort of agreed, the, the counsellor suggested I need to actually um, expel this woman from my school. Like it was that bad. And so I did that. So at 19 years old, I had to expel my first customer and and that was really hard I I did it face to face I didn't do it over the phone um that was really hard she dragged her children into it made me tell them was very manipulative very very um and I kept my cool I was prepped and I said to the girls I think that that it's best that you dance somewhere else and I will really miss you and just kept it really professional and that whole experience, the anxiety that was running through my body, especially because, um, you know, that's a local woman. It's a small town. And um, even after that, the fear of seeing her. And I just, those are, the, those are the best moments though. And why do we avoid them? You have to face the fire because that is what is going to make you grow as a person and as a business owner. And I think that um, the more you do that, the more you expose yourself to those things but get the help first from a coach or a mentor or someone that can actually talk you through it. I got a counselor at the time and I also chatted to my dad and probably every other family member. So the strategy was in place and when it happened, I was in control and that was me putting the intention out there for my business saying, I am the owner and you won't mess with me. It's my business. And at the same time to trust myself to know that, that there's also the kind, generous woman there as well. But I needed the I needed the boss in me to grow. And so that experience is probably one of the best, most painful experiences I've ever had. Yeah. So if that happens now, I mean, my manager deals with with that stuff. It just doesn't even get to me anymore. And that's um that's wonderful. And she's great. You know, she handles it quite well. So but at 19 it was like, I think I'm gonna die. <laughs> hundred percent. I think we have these, uh, the, even as the business grows, the problems can, can potentially get bigger, or maybe you, you might just have that one client that you've got to fire or something like that. Yeah. But uh, you're always going to face these things and you really just have to keep working on that leadership. And like you said, take the emotion out of it. Yeah, and have a strategy. I I love that story. I think that's that's such a a great powerful place to end this conversation, Kate. It's been so wonderful to hear your story, and yeah, I think there's so many layers to this conversation. I feel like we could almost go a little bit Joe Rogan on it and talk for another <laughs> couple of hours. Um, 
Is there anything that you would love to share just to finish off for anyone that's on their business journey, a little pep talk? I feel like it's really um, important to let people know that, yeah, it's not always easy and it's not meant to be and if it was, everyone would do it. So when you're in those moments where you feel like you want to give up, um, keep going or and get a mentor you know if you're if you're if you're stuck with your financials if you're not making your money you can get some really good um finance more finance orientated coaches if it's an emotional thing if it's a leadership thing if it's um knowing how to communicate to staff um ruby the work you do is brilliant i think that um (laughs) there'd be many people out there just growing by um picking you up and, and and having you lead them and i think that I I do wish, yeah, for sure that, um, look, I was lucky I had my dad and and some good people along the way, but sometimes it's also really good not having a family member and having someone that's impartial and is really qualified in in helping you grow your business. So um, spending the money is definitely worth it for sure. Um, You can bypass quite a few things by getting some help. But, yeah, keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, now that you are what, 21 years down the track, I think you're in a very yeah. good place to say that, that keep going because this is the point that you can get to as well with your business. So I very think so. exciting. Look, with every fantasy, everyone has a fantasy of, of a business and what it's going to look like. There's also the nightmare side. It's both. So if you can know that and go in eyes wide open and know that um, yes, you'll get a lifestyle. Yes, but there's hard work to be done, and it's 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 not all amazing. It, it's hard, but it is rewarding in the end, and it's so satisfying. So, go for it. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so much for joining me. If anybody wants to connect with you, maybe they have a dance background, they've got stories to share with you, or they found your story really inspiring where is the best place for them to connect with you personally? Um, I've got an Instagram account, Kate Histon. Um, and email is, my email is info at Elevate Dynamics. Um, that's some, uh, an offset to my school, some coaching and mentoring I've um, been doing. I don't do as much as you, Ruby, with that. That's a little sideline for me. And, yeah, they're probably the best ways. I'm also on Facebook, but I'm mainly an Insta person. Yeah. Amazing. Well, thank you again, Kate. It's been a a real pleasure to dive into your story today. And I'm so glad that we got to have this conversation. Thank you so much, Ruby. It's been wonderful. Thank you.